Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We are a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Hi, ladies. How are you all doing this evening? Are you all well? Thank you, Colleen. That was a wonderful introduction. I'm not sure if I knew who you were talking about. But, um, yeah, thank you. Okay, ladies, you can sit down. Sorry, I'm just finishing off my... Peppermint. Okay, so, how many of you know, come on ladies, that ladies' meetings, when we get together as women, are simply the best meetings ever? Yeah, come on, come on. As Colleen said, we can laugh, we can cry, we can be who we are, we can be happy, we can be sad, all in the same sentence. And it's allowed because we're women together. Yeah, come on. Now, how many of you know that men do not understand that? You know, they'll look at you and say, well, what's the problem? No, there's nothing wrong. Anyway, I found a book. And it says, this book says, everything men know about women. It says, expanded and updated with groundbreaking new findings by Dr. Alan Francis. It gives our topics at the back, like making friends with women, romancing women, achieving emotional intimacy with women, making commitments to women, satisfying women in bed. How many of you know that you should have this book? Everything men know about women. Let me show you what it says. (laughs) Okay, so I only have one hand and I can't turn every page. However, every page gives us the same advice. (laughs) Yeah, and in case you get a little bit concerned, no, I'm I'm not dissing our men, I love them. Um, At one time I did show that book in a women's meeting, not here at church, because our church is very chilled, but in another place, and uh, the woman came up to me afterwards, a woman, and she said to me, how dare you speak about men like that, we're supposed to honor them and revere them, and reverence them. I said, yes, I do know that. Next, uh, next year, April, I'll be married for 50 years. But you know what? <laughs> I stick to my guns. Men still know nothing about women. When my husband says, I don't understand I said to him, you know, the Bible said you mustn't understand. You must just love me. (laughs) Okay, so let's dive right into it because I've got to leave Pastor Candice some some time and I'm not allowed to go over time. If I go over time, just at the back, just do this, you know. (laughs) Then I'll know, stop. I'll stop anywhere you tell me. (laughs) I'm going to speak tonight about the day the tea sets 
were broken. Story of a true story of my life and of my family, and this is a real incident that happened. And um, I'm going to share this with you as a background to the message I've prepared for us tonight. So let me go into the story. Everybody has a story. Thank you for listening to mine tonight. And perhaps another time I could listen to yours. My story involves my mother, whom I loved very dearly. She was, however, totally and completely and utterly dysfunctional. (laughs) She went home to heaven 20 years ago. From the onset, I need you to understand this. Although I bore the brunt of her dysfunction, this didn't hinder my love for her. You know, you have to understand this. I'm not being disloyal. I'm not um, being horrible. I'm, I'm just giving you the real truth of what happened. I'm being vulnerable, and I'm sharing with you some of my story. But I do still and did love my mother. And funny, you know, even after 20 years, I don't know about you, but you still miss your mother. Okay, for you to understand the story, I need to turn back the clock to the early 1930s. My mother was a little girl of about four when her mother, my biological granny, died of cancer, leaving three children. It was my mom, a her brother and her sister, aged four, three, and two. And um, that were, they were left without a mother. Not, not, not long after my granny's death, my grandfather visited her grave. He was grieving, and he visited her grave where he met a beautiful woman in the graveside next to my biological grannies. She was visiting the grave of her sister who had also recently died. So two grieving people fell in love and got married. Not many women would have taken on the job of inheriting and raising three kids under the age of four. However, my step-gran did that, and she did a sterling job. My grandfather and my step-gran went on to have five children of their own. So this blended family of eight kids were raised by my grandfather and my step-gran, who was a beautiful, wonderful woman. Fast forward the story to the late 1950s when I was about six. You with me? I haven't lost you yet. You're all there? Um, My mom owned an antique glass door display cabinet. Now, for those of you who are old enough, do you ever remember those display cabinets? (laughs) I couldn't find a picture of one that we had for real, because the one we had was one that was rounded. It had like a big belly, and it was glass, and it had all the glass in. Okay, so let's take it from there. Um, in the, in the um, display cabinet, there were several beautiful English bone china tea sets, most of which were gold-trimmed. Those you couldn't have even put in a dishwasher if you owned one. Fortunately, we didn't. The glass doors only opened about twice a year when my mom personally washed and packed away the crockery. As a little girl, I remember spending hours 
peering into the glass, through the glass doors, admiring the colors and the patterns and the flowers and the roses and the gold trims on the cups and the saucers and the teapots. I dreamt of being a princess and wearing a princess dress and a crown and drinking tea like I was the queen or the princess. Later, I understood why these tea sets were so important and valuable to my mom and why she never let us use them or why no one else would dust or wash them. No one was allowed. The tea sets were originally owned by my biological granny. And when she died and my grandpa got married again, she kept the tea sets, very valuable tea sets. Oh, by the way, I've, since I got married, I bought a few of these name brand beautiful tea sets. I asked my kids, I said, have a look at them. Which ones would you want? They said, no, thanks, mom. You can keep them. However, they have great monetary value, but in this instant, it was my gran who had great emotional value to these tea sets, and when she got married, my step-gran gave these to her as a wedding present. So they had, they had sentimental value to her. She, she treasured these. Okay, let's move on with the story. <sighs> Yo. It was school holidays, and my cousin Jenny was visiting. We both had two brothers each, and at that stage, I only had the two brothers. Later on, I went on, and uh, my, my parents had another two children. But at that point, we were both about six years of age. We grew up as sisters. I had two brothers. She had two brothers, and we basically lived in one another's houses. It was school holidays. Our game involved a tennis ball. <laughs> Our playing field was the indoor passage that led to the entrance hall where the cabinet was. You get where this is going. Yeah. During the game, the tennis ball rolled down the passage into the entrance hall and under the display cabinet. It had very short legs but it was out of our reach. The game had got messed up. We devised a plan. We stood on either side of the cabinet and we were going to push the cabinet just a little bit. We were both two skinny little things until one of us could get behind the cabinet and retrieve the ball. So she stood that side, I stood this side, but instead of us being able to slide the cabinet along, the cabinet tilted. And I remember looking at this in slow motion. It was like a movie. Nothing I could do would stop this disaster. And down came this display cabinet. It hit the floor with a thud. Then I heard glass. And then it kind of bounced, fell again, and more glass, and then silence. My cousin Jenny thought it was a good time to go home. (laughs) 
I remember sitting on the floor for a very long time in disbelief, simply staring. I was in shock. Eventually, the tears rolled down my cheeks, and I couldn't stop them. The display cabinet could not be lifted by me or my brothers. It was simply too heavy. Anyways, my younger brother was only three years old. (laughs) I waited in dread and fear, looking at the face-down display cabinet for hours until my parents returned home from work. What was to become of me? What had become of the display cabinet? What had become of the tea sets? All I wanted was for my parents to come home, pick up the cabinet, give me a hiding, and for everything to return back to normal. You know, have you ever had those days where you think, you know what, if I could turn back the clock? or give me the hiding, or, or whatever you need to do, do it, but let me get this behind me. How many of you have been in that situation? Yeah, I, I get it. I knew that from when I was six. <laughs> After it seemed like, well, they walked in the front door, and there was dead silence. They assessed the situation. I braced myself for the worst hiding of my life, And then the strangest, most unnatural thing happened. They had picked up the cabinet by now. There was not one cup, one saucer, one tea set, one milk jug, one sugar basin, one shelf, all the doors left intact. It was gone. And... Here it was coming, the hiding. Instead, my mom fell to the floor and sobbed her eyes out for a very long time. She cried and I cried. I didn't know why she was crying. I knew why I was crying because... I was so confused. I didn't know what was happening. I mean, here I was waiting for the hiding. She was crying. I was crying. There was chaos all over. I don't know who ever picked up the glass or whatever happened. I never saw that cabinet again, by the way. I don't know what happened to it. It just kind of disappeared out of our house. It was quite something. Only years later, as an adult, I understood more fully The day the tea sets were broken was the day my mom grieved for her biological mother. Understand, a four-year-old little girl didn't understand what happened to her mom, where she'd gone, who this new mommy was, and I'm sure she must have suffered, you know, we we define things today from um, anxiety, separation anxiety and grieving. But you know, those days were tough. They were harsh. My grandfather did what he could. He just, you know, kind of moved along and got a new wife. And here's your new mommy and let's all be happy together. As a result, my mom became very, very dysfunctional. She grew up angry She was an angry person. It was grief inside of her that she never understood or didn't know what to do with. So this anger 
was manifest in our home continuously. I'm sure I had more hidings than meals. I don't think I did, but it felt like that, you know? Um, she would fly off the handle at the slightest thing. She never ever, she really smiled. She never showed affection. And I never really saw her laugh. You know, one of those belly laughs, wet laughs where, you, where you are really happy and you laugh. I never ever saw her laugh. She'd grieved her whole life. Now, the worst part of that was that it perpetuated in me. So when I had children, I opened my mouth and my mother came out. I used to do exactly what she did. That was my role bundle. That's how I was nurtured. That's what happened with me because that was all I knew. Having said all of that, only when I became a Christian did God soften my heart and began a healing work in me. That's another story for another time, but I'll share that with you if God gives us that opportunity. Now, I've said all of that as a backdrop to say this. So that wasn't the sermon. (laughs) That was just the story, you know, to kind of like get us into this. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So, um, yeah, let's look at it. I'm going to speak about Bartimaeus. And I'm going to ask you this question. What was or what has shattered your hopes and your dreams? What has left parts of you broken and smashed on the floor of your life? The theme of our women's event this evening is rise. Before we discuss how we can rise and why we should rise and what we're rising from, we need to look at what it is that causes us to fall or to be down or to not cope or to not be above. You get where I'm coming from. So, what is it? We all have different stories, as I said. So, question mark. What do you need to rise from? I'm, I, I, know, I know what my circumstances were. I still are some things. But what is it that you need to rise from? Abuse? Broken relationships? Trauma? Grief? Recent grief, or like with my mom, grief that goes back some time that was never dealt with? Bondage of any kind. Bondage can go on and on. I could go on and on. But you get the idea of where I'm coming from. Where are you stuck? God can set you free to receive healing tonight and to rise above your circumstances. God can do that for you. He can do that for me. He can do that for all of us. You don't have to wait 67 years like my mom did, living an angry, unhappy life. To help us find solutions and insights today, I would like for us to turn to the story of blind Bartimaeus. Now, to give us some context, Jesus was on his last journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. That night, he had planned to sleep at Bethany. 
His crucifixion at Calvary was a week away. A shouting multitude, bustling and jostling, were escorting him out of the city. They had just passed the gates and were about to turn the mountain gorge into the Jerusalem road. A long line of beggars would be sitting outside the gate, wailing for attention and asking for alms as people passed by. With that as a backdrop, let's pick up the story in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, and I'm going to read all of that scripture. Um, You'll probably know the scripture off by heart by the time I'm finished, because I'm going to read snippets of it. But for now, I'm reading the full scripture. Take, Take note of it. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped him and said, call him. They called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, rise. Watch the wording. Take heart, rise, he is calling you. And throwing off his mantle or his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, master, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, that is Jesus, on the way. Amen? You got it? Give God a praise offering. Come on. Okay, let's take a quick rabbit trail here and deviate a little bit. I just want to explain something about the revelation that blind Bartimaeus had they said to him, tell me, Bartimaeus said to the, to the crowds, is this him? Tell me. Um, is that him? Who is this? And they said, yeah, it's Bart. It's him. Yeah, Bart. That's the Nazarene. His name is Jesus. But Bartimaeus had a revelation. He saw something and heard something that the others never saw and heard. How did he address Jesus? He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't just call him Jesus the Nazarene. Again, he said, son of David. He was recognizing Jesus' um, lineage, who he really was. And later he said, master or rabbi, I would like to receive my sight. Understand, he had a revelation of who Jesus is. If we want something from Jesus today, tonight, we need a revelation, pardon me, of who he is. We get it? Yeah? Okay. Now, let's move on. First thing we have to do is we have to learn. Pardon me, I'm just going to get some water. The first thing we have to do is learn to rise above our circumstances. What are the things we're going to rise from? 
First thing is our circumstances. Perhaps you feel like Bartimaeus, overlooked, forgotten, forgotten by God, forgotten by people, mistreated, blinded by life, and harshly labeled. They came to Jericho, and he was leaving he was leaving Jericho and his disciples in a great, with a great multitude. And Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, <clears throat> he was labeled. His circumstances were such that he was labeled blind Bartimaeus. Even today, if we want to know who he is, we call him blind Bartimaeus. Is that right? Now, we had a, we had a guy at school. I'm not kidding. He had the biggest nose we've ever seen. The biggest nose I've ever seen. And you know what? I'm not going to mention his, his real name uh, to save his identity in case you're married to him now. <laughs> but, we, but we used to call him Simon Nose. So everybody called him Simon Nose, Simon Nose. His first paycheck back in the day when we'd never heard of any kind of cosmetic surgery, he had a nose job. I think we scarred him for life. Poor guy. Anyway, that's what Bartimaeus went through. That's what he contended with. That's what he lived with. He was just a blind man. He was labeled, mistreated by life and by people. He was only known as blind Bartimaeus. He had to learn when Jesus came by to rise above that. That was his circumstances. Born blind from birth, he had to rise above that. His disability became his name. His disability identified him. We need to be careful of what we identify ourselves with. Rise above that. Rise above that. This is blind Bartimaeus. Do we have a picture of him? Not a very clear picture, but his eyes were quite sad. Blind. Look at his condition. He was poor. He was blind. He had no education. He was hungry. He had no hope. Of all human emotion, hopelessness is the worst. Some people are in a state of constant sadness, sitting and watching life go by like Bartimaeus did. I declare to you that this same Jesus that drew near to the blind man in our text is passing by you this very day. You'll begin to see, my faith, the possibilities of things you only dreamed or thought of and you believed they could never be made possible. He's here today. He's here tonight. Right now, in this place. The next thing is we have to rise above inferiority. And you think, is that a biggie? Yes, it is a biggie. I'll tell you why. Because Bartimaeus... Having no identity, he had people permanently telling him what to do, where to go. He didn't have any confidence. He was blind. He couldn't see. He was poor. He, he, he used to beg. He didn't have much to, to his name. Um, 
And then when he heard Jesus and he called out to Jesus, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And you know what? At that point, if you look at it in the natural, he would have listened to them. His inferiority would have squashed him. The scripture said, all the more he shouted out. We have to get over ourselves. Colleen mentioned it today, earlier on. You know that King David had to throw off his kingly garments and dance before the Lord. He had to take out, take off who he was. He even said, his wife said, you're undignified. He said, I'm going to be more undignified than this. Don't know what that meant if he was going to take off the undergarments. But anyway, I'm not going down that road. I'm not <laughs> but we have to become undignified. Like Bartimaeus, we must cry out until we are heard. Until the breakthrough comes, regardless of peer pressure, regardless of people and what they say. Sometimes the worst enemies are the ones that don't believe what you believe. I believe God is going to heal me. He's going to give me a breakthrough. Yeah, but you know what? You've been like this for a long time. Yeah, I know, but Jesus is passing by. Cry out until we are heard. Can you see Jesus with faith's eye? Okay, the next thing is we have to rise above fear. We're going back to scripture in Mark chapter 10. We have to rise above the fear. Jesus said to him, to, to the, the people around, when, when he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, rise, he's calling you. And throwing off his mantle, or the cloak, he sprung up and came to Jesus. What did that mean? Let me explain. Back in biblical days, people who had reason to beg had to get permission. Not everybody who was lazy we should do this today. You know, I don't know when we stop at the corners who I should give money to and who I shouldn't because I'm quite sure that half of them are just lazy. The one time Pastor Steve stopped and asked the guy, um, why are you here? He said, this is my job. He was begging. Pastor Steve said, I could get you a job. He said, I don't want a job. This is my job. True story. But back in the day, they had to get permission to beg. Now, they didn't have to get some kind of a document, um, or they didn't walk around like a blind person with a cane and dark glasses. They were given, especially blind people, a blind man's cloak, which meant they had permission to beg. They put the cloak around them, and some of the cloak would have been on the floor. It was that wide, and people would throw their arms or money into, onto the cloak. The significance of this is that when blind Bartimaeus jumped up and threw off his cloak, he was declaring by faith that he was going to be healed. He didn't need this cloak any longer. But now look at the 
look at the test he had to go through. He had to take off that cloak and he had no job, no security, no income, nothing to fall back on. Sometimes we have to burn the bridge and move on. He had to overcome his fear. Yeah, give God a praise. He also, we have to rise up above unbelief. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, master, let me receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Bartimaeus was now healed. Jesus asks the same question today. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want from Jesus? You know, we have to give him our requests. We have to pray and say, Jesus, I need this. I need to overcome. I need to rise above. Help me. This is your time, says the Lord. What is it? What will you believe God for? You have his attention tonight. Jesus is near. He's passing by. He delights for you to do what only he can do. All we need to do is ask. Bartimaeus was given more than sight. He received wholeness in every area of his life. All because he recognized that Jesus was near and he, Bartimaeus, refused to let him go, pass by. We can have wholeness. Scripture goes on to say that immediately he, that is Bartimaeus, followed Jesus along the road. He became a disciple and a follower of Jesus. But like the uh, ten lepers, all were cleansed, only one was made whole. Hear me? All were ten, only one was made whole. Um, And then, ladies, we cannot preserve our dignity and seek his deity. We cannot save face and seek his face. Why are we complaining about what we should be praying about? Okay. Finally, take heart. They call the blind man saying, take heart, rise up, he's calling you. Rise, rise up, take heart. I'm saying this evening, have a hope. We can rise above. Amen. I'd like you to stand and I'd like to pray for you before we continue with the rest of this evening. Father God, I believe my best and your best is yet to come because you love these women and you want the best for them. Receive this personally, please. I'm praying as if God were praying for you. The worship team, you may come up. This is your season. This is your time. Speak by your spirit to these women in the name of Jesus. 
God, I pray this for them. I pray they would rise above their circumstances. I pray they would rise above their grief and depression and heartache and disappointment and bondage. As you speak, I pray they would obey. As you lead, I pray they would go. When you are ready, I pray that they will be ready. You want them whole. And I pray, God, that you have all of them holy. God, I pray that their hearts would be quick to receive, their lips quick to declare, and their legs quick to go. Living this way, I pray, 2019 will be the best year of your life. I declare this in the mighty and faithful name of Jesus. I thank God for every one of you, and I pray you would go home and rise to what God has for you. Amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.